Hey, welcome to another episode, or I should say mini episode, of Ice Ice Beta, and I'm your host, Aaron Gary. This week we're doing something a little bit different, what we're dubbing the Meet the Maker series. Each day we'll be releasing a mini episode with an entrepreneur who is making specialty gear for ice climbers. If you've ever wanted to hear the story behind some of your favorite, and soon-to-be favorite, products, that's what we get into. We're doing this because we believe that thoughtfully designed gear is more than the sum of its parts. They are crafted by folks who have decades of experience in the sport, are refined through countless iterations and testing, and brought to life with genuine passion. I personally really enjoy hearing what inspired someone to start something, and what led to certain design decisions. And hopefully you find that interesting too. On today's mini-episode, we talk with Doug Heinrich of Anu. Stick around to the end to learn about the giveaway and discount code. Hey, Doug. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm super stoked. We're here to talk about specialized ice climbing gloves. And along those lines, what is the elevator pitch for Anu? So Anu, we're a specialty glove brand, and uh, I've had the good fortune of having designed gloves for 30 plus years and uh, designed a lot of ice climbing gloves over the years, as well as ski gloves and, you know, whether it's backcountry or in area guide gloves, et cetera. But I've always felt like gloves in ice climbing are probably one of your more critical pieces of gear, because if your hands are really cold or you don't have the dexterity, you're really kind of in a tough spot. So Gloves for ice climbing, specifically alpinism, you know, alpine climbing, mountaineering a little less so, but they're really a super critical component. So it's a fun, you know, it's just a fun project for me to, you know, design product that kind of fits the needs of that, that customer and that activity. So a new, you know, I started a new about five years ago. I was the VP of product at Black Diamond and then I left and I went to work for Cool which is a, you know, sportswear brand. And so basically I teamed up with a factory that I worked with forever and Black Diamond had stopped doing business with them. So kind of like the stars lined up, if that made sense. And Takashima is the name of the factory. We got together and said, hey, let's let's do our own brand. And And so the story of Anu is number one, from a sustainability perspective, Takashima has a lot of materials. Um, I hate to say laying around, but that's probably the best way to describe it. So they have a lot of materials that either big brands that they work with, because they're a, you know, they have three manufacturing facilities, one in China, one in Myanmar, and they're opening up one in Vietnam. And oftentimes big customers will cancel orders and then they're left with the raw materials. And so our number one thing was tr to try to repurpose those raw materials into product rather than having them tossed or just sitting around from 10 years and then eventually ended, ending up in a landfill. So that was our number one goal. And then secondarily was to design amazing gloves. And gloves have always been a passion of mine. So it, the stars just lined up with Takashima. We're 50-50 partners. Like I know much more about the design side, you know, sort of the activity side and they know how they're the, in my opinion, they're the best glove manufacturer in the world. They produced the original Arcteryx gloves, which were insanely hard to make. 
They did black diamond gloves for 20 plus years until the administration here decided to part ways with them, which was a opportunity for me to, you know, continue working with them. So that's kind of how new a new came around. Like, A, I have a passion for designing gloves, ice climbing, alpinism, all snow sports. And then Takashima was looking to partner um, with me to just create our own brand. Definitely want to learn more about your partnership, multi-generational partnership with Takashima. But before we do, I want to provide a little bit more context about uh, who you are. So I'll give some some slight overview. You're a longtime Salt Lake City climber, route developer, an alpinist, among many, many, many superlatives. But could you maybe just give a little bit of context for your for uh, your ice climbing history and sort of why uh, ice climbing gloves are so important for you and, and of such interest? Yeah, I would say, you know, I grew up in Salt Lake City, so I started climbing at a really young age for that. I mean, gyms obviously didn't exist back then. So I started as an alpinist mountaineer, and when I was 12 years old, I did the Grand Teton with a friend of mine from Idaho. I actually took a train to Pocatello and he picked me up. He was 14 and he had a, they had a huge farm and so he could drive. And so we went, we had no idea what we were doing, to be honest, but we figured out a way to climb the Grand Teton when we were 12 and 14 years old. And I just kind of, at that point, there was no turning back for me, you know, a life in the mountains and climbing. And I would say first and foremost, my number one passion was always being a rock climber and then I, uh, my generation of climbers, like I always wanted to be a really well-rounded climber. So I was never really great at anything, but I could do everything, you know, at a decent level, whether it was, you know, sport climbing 513 or crack climbing 513 or climbing A5, you know, aid routes or mixed climbing, you know, at M9 or 10 or whatever, or grade six ice. My goal was always just to be a super well-rounded climber, but I was never amazing at anything, you know, I could just do everything. And that was, that's kind of my generation of climbers. Like Mug Stump was one of my big mentors, Alex Lowe. I climbed with a lot, you know, Conrad Anker and I grew up climbing together with Seth Shaw. And I think our goal, you know, of that generation really was just to be able just to have the skills to just do lots and lots of different types of climbing in different environments. So I guess to sum it up, you know, I've been a, a lifelong climber. It's, uh, I think the beauty of climbing is that there's just so many facets to it, um, so many different types of climbing that you should really never get bored um, because, you know, once you quasi-master or you get proficient at one skill, you just go to the other one and it's a whole new learning process. So as far as related to gloves, like, to be honest, like in the 90s, no one was making good gloves like the late 80s, 90s. And I basically just started making gloves for myself because I didn't like any of them. And I kind of just would cobble together gloves. And then, you know, whether it was Alex Lowe or Seth or Conrad or anyone, we would just try them. And that just evolved into making commercial product. And obviously I've worked with Will for decades, Will Gad, and he's always great with feedback and same with Raphael Slavinsky. They've been on the BD team for God, you know, 30 years or something. So we have really great feedback or I've had great um, field testers and, you know, people that are 
at the top of the sport giving feedback. But I would say the main thing with ice climbing gloves in particular is you need quite a few gloves. I would say at a minimum, you really need four gloves when you go out. And it really just depends on the conditions of what you're doing. Like I swap out gloves a lot on, on routes. Like if I'm climbing, you know, standard ice, I can use a bigger glove that's warmer. Obviously everyone's climbing leashless now, thank goodness, because your hands stay a lot warmer and you can use a thinner glove because you can shake out. Um, in the old days when people were using leash leashes, the leashes would kind of cut off your circulation. And so as a general rule, people were kind of, they weren't really hanging on to the tools. They were kind of letting the leash support them. And, and you would end up using a, a kind of a puffier glove with more insulation back in that era. But ever since the leashless climbing has come out, people are climbing in thinner, more dexterous gloves, which obviously makes putting screws in much faster. Um, you're not tied to the tool like you were in the old days, et cetera. So I, I would say, you know, the one thing with ice climbing gloves specifically is, you know, if I'm doing a mixed pitch, I'm definitely wearing a different glove than if I'm doing standard ice. And then if I do a harder pitch, like let's just say it's like a grade six, you know, pillar or something, I'll usually switch to a lighter glove that I can be a bit more pre precise. So like I said, I think, you know, when you're out ice climbing, you definitely want to have three or four pairs of gloves. And if you just bring a small pack, you can just reload, especially if you're climbing in Utah, where we get a lot of wet conditions here, mainly because we have pretty big temperature fluctuations. So we just have more water that's running in our areas versus like the Rockies. And so people get their gloves wet quite a lot here. So they just toss them in the bottom of the pack and pull out a new pair. Well, speaking of three to four different types of gloves, that's generally about what you have in your lineup. And it seems like the the Vincent Neo cuff, the one that has the extended cuff, is sort of the most particular to ice climbing. Do you want to talk about that? And then we can talk about the other ones. Yeah. So the, the Vincent, the one issue that you have with ice climbing is you have your hands up high over your head. And a lot of times, you know, some people will take like a base layer with a thumb loop and put it inside their glove. I've found over, it, it can kind of cut into your thumb and kind of be annoying. And then it adds a layer of bulk. And it's a good way to seal off your wrist because you want to keep your wrist warm. That That's like the main place where you lose heat is in your wrist and then in your your head, right? And if you've got a helmet on with a balaclava or whatever, a hat, some type of beanie, you know, you basically to stay warm, you want to keep your feet warm, your hands warm and your head warm, and then the rest of your body will, will follow suit. So the Neocuff was really designed to put that extended neoprene gauntlet, which would say, you know, it stays really snug to your wrist and advantage of that is it's a lightweight glove with an extended neocleft so you never get that gap when you're reaching up high or swinging where there's a gap between your shell or whatever your outer layer is and the glove itself which always happens you know you either have a thumb loop that you've put inside the glove or you get that gap there's no way around it like you can tighten down the velcro as tight as you can and i guarantee you when you get to the top of the pitch, you're going to look down and go, there's a gap there and my wrist is getting cold. So that is a very lightweight glove with that extended cuff. 
the disadvantage of it is it's harder to take off. So I don't really recommend that you take your gloves off very often unless you're swapping them out. So if you're used to pulling your gloves on and off all the time, you may not like that glove. And I've just sort of trained myself not to take my gloves off. Like I hardly ever take them off unless I'm at a belay and I'm swapping them out. So that's more of a learned thing over time. But the neoframe is really flexible. It keeps your uh, wrist warm. It keeps the elements out. And again, it's a very lightweight, supple glove that has, you know, a really good tactile feel for, for gripping the tools and putting screws in easily. Maybe I'm incorrect, but I also, I, I believe I read that the neoprene, because it's a little bit tighter fit, it can kind of act like a compression sleeve or sock. For sure. Yep, absolutely. So it just, you know, the main thing is it just, there's a little bit of protection there, right, for your wrist. And then secondarily, it just keeps that whole area really warm. And the neoprene's pretty stretchy too. So I can actually stretch it over like a hard shell if I want to put it on the outside. I typically run it on the inside, but you can stretch it over if you want to. Obviously, you're not going to stretch it over at Summit Park or something like that. But most people are running their gloves, as a general rule, under their cuff. It's just a cleaner system. And, you know, that's one kind of tech tip I would give, you know, beginners is just make sure you're really organized and have a really clean system. You don't want a bunch of straps and dangling stuff because you just end up tying yourself in knots. I mean, ice climbing is complicated enough and you just want a really clean system. You know, you want to use ice clippers for your screws. You want to be really organized because, you know, putting screws in sometimes can be really difficult unless you're on a good stance. And so you really just want to be organized and kind of plan that out. And I would say gloves is absolutely critical to that function. Like if you have crappy gloves that are too loose and rolly and the palm isn't tight, you're going to struggle to hang on to your tools and put screws in. Actually, one of the things I've struggled with is sizing. And I, I just got rid of a pair because my the thumb was too tight. And any time that I would go into cool conditions, it would actually force circulation out. My, my thumb would be much colder than the rest of the hand. So do you have any suggestions for actually how to size gloves? Yeah, it's kind of personal preference. Like we we size them on the number grade. So kind of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, in that system. So we end up having kind of tweener sizes to get it right. So we end up with like a small medium and a medium large, which surprisingly is a lot of people end up with guys end up with an ML and sometimes women end up with a something in between an extra small and a small. So you can dial in your fit a little better because our grading's a bit tighter than the standard, you know, alpha sizing, small, medium, large XL. So that's one advantage. But I typically, we use leather palms on our gloves. So, you know, we like the goat leather because it's really tough. It's really supple. You can hang on to your tools better than synthetics. They don't freeze. It doesn't freeze like a lot of the synthetic palms do. And I typically will size my gloves a little tight out of the box, but then they'll kind of stretch to fit. Now, I will say the, the fit kind of accelerates climbing in Utah because we get our gloves wet a lot. And so they kind of custom form to your hand when you get them soaked. They just, they almost mold to your hand. If you're climbing in really dry, cold conditions, I think that you could probably size up, you know, a half a size or something. It, 
it really, you know, gloves are tricky, right? Because like you say, like the main goal is to keep your hands warm, but you also have to have them pretty dexterous. And I'd say the pro tip there is like when you're climbing leashless, you, you want to drop your hands a lot and shake out to keep your circulation going and don't over grip your tools, you know? So I think all those little tips over time will really help keep your hands warmer. But I think shaking out is probably the number one, just getting your hands below your waist, shaking, shaking them out when you're in a good spot, and then, you know, grabbing back onto your tool and, and you know, continuing up the route. So we, we talked about the Vincent, but you have other gloves in your product line. So do you want to just talk to the, uh, the other gloves that you offer? Yeah, so we have a, a whole Benson series of gloves. For Fall 23, the Bensons um, will still be available. I don't want to jump down a, a PFAS rabbit hole, but we actually, we repurposed some fabric that had C6DWR on it. And so we actually discontinued the Benson family and we moved it into the Tyree family just because it's PFC free. The whole OSA family is PFC free already. A lot of the Bensons are, but since we repurpose fabric, we have to test everything. And so that's why we chose to rechange the name. So for fall 24, the Bensons will move to the Tyrese, which I know is a little confusing, but it's not that confusing because our line's pretty small. And that was mainly just due to the PFAS regulations that are coming. But so we basically have the Vincents, which are made out of like burlier materials. They'll take some more abuse. And then the Osas are using a lightweight ripstop. So I would say a combination of both is really a good. If you're not going to be in a high abrasion zone and you just want a lightweight, warmer, puffy glove, the Osa is a good way to go. They compress better, they pack better, but they're not as tough. So again, one of them's using a pretty burly stretch woven fabric, and then the other one's using a lightweight ripstop. I kind of mix them both. Like I typically bring a pair of Osa mitts as a belay mitt just because they're lighter and you can compress them easier. But then when I'm climbing, I use the Neo Cuffs or the the Benson Lights, which is basically the Benson Lights just uh non-neo cuff version of the of the benson neo cuff if that makes sense so you kind of have your choice do you like the cuff or do you not like the cuff just for the listener who might not be able to visualize it the cuff just extends maybe to mid forearm i think yep it's pretty long and it has a really lightweight um zipper in it the zipper is pretty burly and uh obviously you can blow up zippers if you try to but if you're just normal use like i've used them for two full years without wrecking the zipper. So I'm not too worried about it. And I'm also not trying to zip it over like five layers. And you know what I mean? You just have to be smart when you're using these things. We talked about your partnership with Takashi earlier, and you have quite an extended relationship with the owners. Actually, now it spans two generations. So do you want to talk about what it means to you to be able to work with this company and father-son duo? So Takashima started in the 30s, um, Japanese manufacturing principles. It's actually June is the third generation, which is pretty cool. So I never had the chance to meet the original founder, but I met his son, Kenzo. And when I was designing gloves for Black Diamond for many, many years, uh, Takashima was our single source. And we developed, you know, all the 
incredible gloves like the Guide Glove and the Mercury Met, Top Sellers, et cetera, over the years with Takashima. And then, like I said, Black Diamond parted ways with Takashima about six years ago, just due to the administration here, had some ties with uh, different glove factories, which at that time I was pretty upset about it, but it also opened up an opportunity for me to partner with them with a new. So, you know, that, that was kind of a cool serendipitous thing that, that kind of popped out of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Takashima, um, you know, third generation glove manufacturer, that's all they do is gloves. And they're arguably the best glove manufacturer in the world. Um, I would call them a high-end boutique glove manufacturer. They don't make like high volume, cheap gloves. They really work on, you know, complicated, hard to make, super high quality gloves. And we're 50-50 partners. June, who is the son of Kenzo. So Kenzo Takashima, you know, took it over from his father and he ran the business for 40 plus years. And then he turned the business over to June. He's been running it for the last five or six, well, maybe five or six years. And June actually went to the University of Utah and he got his finance degree. And then he went back to China and took over, you know, the family business. So that's kind of the story. So yeah, Takashima has three facilities. So three manufacturing facilities. They have one in China that they've had for many, many years. They have one in Myanmar that's over a decade a decade old. And then they have a new facility in Vietnam. So that's that's kind of how they're set up at this point from a manufacturing perspective. We have some info on our website on them. I mean, they're really, really um, amazing to their staff. And, you know, that's really important to me to provide, you know, a really good living for people, to be quite honest, that are born in pretty tough circumstances, like a place like Myanmar. You know, some people will say, oh, you shouldn't support, you know, Myanmar. And it's like, well, what about the people that live there that can't, they don't have visa cards or Amex cards where they can just got to get on an airplane and relocate. You know, we need to be cognizant of people and are in pretty tough spots. And these are really good jobs for those individuals. So I, I have a lot of passion for protecting those workers, making sure that they can make a good livelihood. Um, they make amazingly quality product. They're super dedicated. And, you know, Takashima has about 300 workers in Myanmar. So it's not insignificant, the impact that they're making. So I was reading on your website that the business is employee-owned or you want it to be employee-owned. So I was wondering, why is that important to you? I just feel like, you know, when people dedicate their time and energy into anything, you know, whatever it is, I think when people have equity in something, they're they're just all in, right? So as we grow as an organization, we're tiny right now. I mean, it takes time to create a business, to get off the ground, to create the product. But as we grow and we add employees, I just want to make sure that they have stake in the company. And I just think it's a, it's a really important thing to keep people motivated, committed. And at the end of the day, like if a new grows to be a much bigger company, that will be material for those people that have helped it grow, if that makes sense. So it goes beyond just a paycheck that they actually have equity in the company. And that's just really important to me as a, as a business owner. The gloves sound awesome, but obviously being able to see them in person and try them on and figure out your fit is important. So where can people see your gloves and, and are you doing any festivals this winter? 
Liberty Mountain is our distributor for North America, and they're an amazing partner. So we're really, I feel really fortunate that Liberty um, has us as an exclusive brand for them. So you can definitely check out the gloves on, you know, the Liberty Mountain website. You can check out the gloves on anu.com. That's A-N-I-I-U.com. And that's the name of our penguin, by the way. So it doesn't really mean anything other than that's our penguin's name and our tagline's your friend in the cold. But now that we have uh, two reps out helping push the new gloves into the specialty channel, you'll see them more available. We will be at the Bozeman Ice Festival and then also at Ure and we'll be with Liberty there. And then I believe that Liberty will also be at the Michigan Ice Festival, but at a minimum, we'll, we will be at Ure, Bozeman, and then Michigan. Thanks so much, Doug, for chatting. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you reaching out, and I'm really stoked that you're, um, you know, getting this uh, the Ice Ice Beta podcast off the ground. I mean, it, it you're spreading the love of ice climbing, which I'm really stoked about. I really appreciate it. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Doug is generously giving away three pairs of gloves for listeners. For details on how to enter, head to our Instagram page. Our handle is at ice underscore ice underscore beta and look for the post for today's episode. If you want a 100% chance of snagging a pair of gloves, you can use the discount code ICEICEBETA40, all one word, capital I, for 40% off at their store, anew.com. That is A-N-I-I-U dot com. The code is valid through the end of the year and excludes outlet items.